0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Jumpstart. If this is your first episode, my name is Kim Venegas. I believe that teaching is the most important profession. I also believe teaching is one of the most difficult jobs in the first years. We graduate college, we interview, we get hired, we buy one of those beautiful teacher planners, we choose some colored pens red for math, blue for reading, we plan our bulletin boards. While the first few days may feel like a honeymoon phase, teaching gets real, real quick, and it's harder than you thought it might be because you weren't prepared enough for the day-to-day, moment-to-moment decisions that you need to make. My intent is to bring you resources you can use, support for those really tough days, and encouragement to keep moving forward and help you grow as a teacher. Today, I'm going to talk about poverty, Everyone seems to have an opinion about public education these days. Test scores make the headlines, magazines debate public or charter schools. People write blogs and reels appear on social media. Without telling us what poverty is, they say children living in poverty can't learn like the rest of us. They won't succeed academically. Their parents don't have any family values. The adults don't want to work. They are sucking the state coffers dry. Teachers are not exempt from making these assumptions either. If only the parents would, blah, 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 I could teach them. As a new teacher or as a teacher changing districts, you may be dissuaded from applying for a position in a Title I district or school. Title I allows for more government funding based on a percentage of students who qualify and receive free or reduced lunch fees, period. Period. When I shared that I'd been offered a position here, a teacher said, well, I wouldn't teach there. I suppose she knew or she'd heard certain things. Maybe she knew many immigrants and refugees settled in our agricultural city. Maybe she knew there were a high number of students who spoke another language before they learned English. Maybe she knew the neighborhood was crowded with apartments instead of single-family homes. Students are labeled by their gender, their ethnicity, and their income level. Any state or district test may disaggregate our students into those groups. Our administration pays attention to these numbers. Years ago, during an accreditation meeting in my former school, the principal said aloud, what are we going to do about our little brown kids? He was a fair and compassionate leader and I appreciate the years I worked with him. He took a special interest in my grandsons. They were two of our school's little brown kids. I believe he felt safe in this group of teachers, completely transparent. He was genuinely concerned over the lack of achievement. Everyone in education wants to see success for all students. Don't be discouraged. Kids are kids. Some learn quickly, some more slowly. Some have behavior issues, others do not. There's more alike about children than there are differences, no matter the income level. Low income describes a family's finances at that time. Title I schools are not alternative schools. Poor behavior and learning difficulties are no more prevalent in Title I than other schools. Here's a disclaimer. Charter schools in those same districts will pick and choose their students, so they don't fit this description or this pattern. Students in any of your classes will not read at the same level. Some will be able to recite their multiplication tables and others cannot make one-to-one correspondence. Some children are socially adept, others are not. Some students are emotionally more needy. They don't come to you pre-wired for a grade-level curriculum. Our teaching lives can become boring when our students are the same or when we teach as if they are the same. We need to push ourselves into what's hard. We need to pay attention to the motivational posters that we put up in our rooms. You can do hard things, too. Maybe often we choose easy instead. I ask you to challenge yourself to teach in a way that benefits all students. Teachers can learn with intention the content or skills that you don't know. Practice what you've learned. Reflect on the outcome of your practice and begin again. And please share those changes that you've made for yourself. Be a change maker for the students and for the profession. Whatever your perception of poverty, it is no more than having too few resources, not enough money and not enough time. Simply put, people often make choices between two very good things. Do I buy my children books or do I buy more food for the family? Do I fix the car or do I buy my children new clothes? These are needs, not wants, and some families can't cover the needs on their own. As you meet your students, look past the hand-me-down and mismatched clothes. Look past the two big shoes. Here's an old school tip. Don't judge a book by its cover. As you meet parents, they'll share stories of hard work and long hours in the agricultural industry. They'll tell you how they learned English in three months by watching TV. They'll tell you that COVID-19 closed their small business and that they've been doubled up with friends for over a year. Often parents tell you more than you need to know. Thank them for sharing, hold it in confidence, and stay focused on what your students need from you. Assume, please assume that everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. They just not may not be able to do it as you would choose. Don't let these judgments cloud your commitment for these children. On a particularly hard day, a colleague reminded me that these children need good teachers, too. Maybe especially these children whose lives may not be as secure or predictable as my own. We all live through hard times. When I was nine, my parents divorced. Overnight, I moved from a middle-class home to a shabby two-bedroom apartment. My brother and I shared the room, sleeping on bunk beds. At the end of my bed, between the spindles of the footboard, sat my Bobsey twin books. The characters lived the life I wanted but didn't have. A mom, a dad, two sets of boy and girl twins. They had adventures camping out at the seashore on Blueberry Island. Divorce wasn't common among the girls I went to school with. My clothes didn't fit well and I didn't have many of them. My shoes were old and my jacket wasn't warm enough but my teachers discovered that I was smart. They sent me to another school to take a test. I tested into a talented and gifted program. Many, many years later, when I interviewed five years ago, the principal told me the staff believed that every child has a genius, and he asked me, what was my genius? I told him I grew up like these students. I lived in a broken home. I shared responsibility for my younger brother getting him to school and back home, making food for the two of us. I experienced my own kind of trauma as an elementary student. I told him I succeeded in spite of the way I grew up. My fourth grade year, I wrote a composition on what makes a good citizen, and I won first prize. I won a gold pin for second place in a spelling bee that same year. So remember when you think of applying to a school where children may live in less than desired circumstances, it doesn't matter so much where they come from. It matters more where they're going. And you, teacher dear, can send them to the stars. Thanks for listening. I do my best to get a new episode to you every Monday morning. I hope you have a great week. Summer is almost here. Remember to make plans for yourself and have some fun with your kiddos.